chapter thirty three of a popular history of the art of music from the earliest times until the present by w s b matthews this librivox recording is in the public domain the story of the pianoforte the popular instrument of the nineteenth century has been the pianoforte the result of an evolution having its beginning more than six centuries back it is impossible in the present state of knowledge to trace all the steps through which this remarkable instrument has reached its present form in the assyrian sculptures discovered by layard there are instruments apparently composed of metal rods or plates touched by hammers upon the same general principle as the toy instrument with glass plates or the xylophone composed of wooden rods resting upon bands of straw in these the use of the hammer for producing the tone is obvious in the middle ages there was an instrument called the psaltery apparently some sort of a four-sided harp strung with metal strings the evidence upon this point is rather indistinct still later there is the arab santir this was a trapeze-shaped instrument composed of a solid frame sounding board and metal wires struck with hammers this instrument still exists in germany under the name of hackbrett or the dulcimer as now made each string consists of three wires tuned in unison it is played by means of leather hammers held in the hand the difficulty of adapting this instrument to the keyboard consisted in the fact that if the hammers were connected with the keys they would be under the strings instead of above them and this difficulty for a long time proved insurmountable figure sixty eight spinet showing the disposition of the strings bridges etc dresden fifteen ninety two forms of instruments were at length developed composed of a wire-strung psaltery played from a chromatic keyboard like that of the organ the first of these was one called in england spinet or in italy espinetto and in germany the clavier the essential characteristic of this instrument was the manner of producing tones upon the ends of the keys were brass pieces called tangents of a triangular shape of such form that when the key was pressed the tangent pushed the wire and so produced the tone as it remained in contact with the wire as long as the key was held down there was nothing like what we now call a singing tone the instruments were very small in shape like a square piano but of three or four octaves compass the wires were of brass and quite small in several representations which have come down to us from the seventeenth century the number of strings shown is smaller than the number of keys from which some writers have inferred that it might have been possible to obtain more than one tone from the same string through a process of stopping it with one tangent and striking it with another this however is highly improbable the discrepancies referred to are undoubtedly due to carelessness of the engraver the clavier or spinet was a better instrument than the lute which at length it superseded having more tones and a greater harmonic capacity besides which it was a step toward something much better still in england they made them with pieces of cloth drawn through between the wires to deaden the already small tones still further 
these were sometimes called virginals and seem to have been used as practice pianos where the noise of the full tone might have been objectionable the oldest form of the clavier known to the writer was that shown in figure sixty nine which was so small that it might be carried under the arm and when used was placed upon the table they were sometimes ornamented in a very elaborate manner figure sixty nine keyboard and fretwork of spinet shown in figure sixty eight figure seventy richly ornamented spinet made for the princess anna of saxony about fifteen fifty contemporaneously with the spinet and of almost equal antiquity was an instrument in the form of a grand piano called in italy the clavicembalo and in england the harpsichord in germany it was called the flugel or wing from its being shaped like the wings of a bird these also in the earlier times were made very small and were rested upon the table the essential distinction between the cembalo and the spinet was in the manner of tone production in the cembalo there was a wooden jack resting upon the end of the keys and upon this jack a little plectrum made of raven's quill which had to be frequently renewed when the key was pressed the jack rose and the plectrum snapped the wire the tone was thin and delicate but as the plectrum did not remain in contact with the string the vibration continued longer than in the clavier the cembalo was the favorite instrument in italy during the seventeenth century and in england it had a great currency under the name of harpsichord many attempts were made at increasing the resources of this instrument one of the most curious being that of combining two harpsichords in one having two actions two sounding boards and sets of strings and two keyboards related like those of the organ this form seems to have been exclusively english the form of the harpsichord is shown in figure seventy one figure seventy one mozart's concert grand piano now in the mozart museum at salzburg its compass is five octaves far back in the sixteenth century an attempt was made at a hammer mechanism to strike down upon the strings for this purpose the strings were placed in a vertical position the same as in our upright pianos of the present day mr b j lang of boston has an upright spinet of this kind which he bought in nuremberg it is a small and rude affair having about four octaves compass and a very small scale figure seventy two christofori's action according to his original diagram a is the string b the bottom c the first lever or key there is a pad d upon the key to raise a second lever e which is pivoted upon f g is the hopper christofori's linguetta mobile which controlled by the springs i and l effects the escape or immediate drop of the hammer from the strings after the blow has been struck although the key is still kept down by the finger 
the hopper is centered at h m is a rack or comb on the beam s where h the butt n of the hammer o is centered in a state of rest the hammer is supported by a cross or fork of silk thread p on the depression of the key c the tail g of the second lever e draws away the damper r from the strings leaving them free to vibrate parentheses hipkins the pianoforte proper was not invented until seventeen eleven when a florentine mechanic named cristofori invented what he called a forte piano from its capacity of being played loud or sought the essential feature of the pianoforte mechanism is in the use of the hammer to produce the tone and the necessary provision for doing this successfully is to secure an instantaneous escapement of the hammer from the contact with the wire as soon as the blow has been delivered while at the same time the key remains pressed in order to hold the damper away from the strings and allow the tone to go on these features were all contained in cristofori's invention the above diagram figure seventy two illustrates the mechanism employed it is from cristofori's published account of his invention dated seventeen eleven but there is in florence a pianoforte of his manufacture still existing dated seventeen twenty six in which the action is more perfect as shown in figure seventy three figure seventy three action of cristofori's forte piano date seventeen twenty six besides several minor improvements over his first idea the later instrument has a hammer check p and the hammer is more developed the invention of cristofori was taken up in germany almost immediately and a dresden piano maker silbermann became very celebrated it was the pianofortes of his manufacture in the palace at potsdam which frederick the great made bach try one after another the form of these instruments was the same as that of mozart's piano shown in figure seventy one the square formed piano began to be made about seventeen fifty but the instrument involved no application of new principles being merely a clavier with pianoforte mechanism the new form so much more compact and inexpensive began to be popular and was soon the standard form for private families as that of the clavier had been before and as the square piano remained until as late as about eighteen seventy when the inherent mechanical difficulties of the upright were for the first time satisfactorily overcome pepys in his diary tells of having purchased a virginal which pleased him very much it cost five guineas about twenty-six dollars figure seventy four improved action of the erard concert grand eighteen twenty one c is the key d is a pilot centered at double d to give the blow by means of a carrier e holding the hopper g which delivers the blow to the hammer o by the thrust of the hopper which escapes by forward movement after contact with a projection from the hammer covered with leather answering to the notch of the english action this escapement is controlled at x a double spring 
i l pushes up a hinged lever double e the rise of which is checked at double p and causes the second or double escapement a little stirrup at the shoulder of the hammer known as the repetition pressing down double e at the point and by this depression permitting g to go back to its place and be ready for a second blow before the key has been materially raised the check p in this action is not behind the hammer but before it fixed into the carrier e which also as the key is put down brings down the under damper parentheses hipkins the instruments were still small and strung with small wires nevertheless there was a tendency toward increased compass which by the beginning of the nineteenth century led the broadwoods of london to attempt a grand piano with six octaves compass but they found that the rest plank in which the tuning strings are placed was so weakened by the extension that the treble would not stand in tune in order to strengthen the instrument he introduced the iron tension bar this like nearly all of the english improvements of the piano during the first quarter of the nineteenth century was in the direction of greater solidity and better resisting power to the pull of the strings upon the artistic side sebastian erard in eighteen o eight patented his grand action which with very slight improvements still remains the model of what a piano action should be figure seventy four shows this action and its parts figure seventy five the steinway iron frame showing the disposition of the sounding board bridges etc between eighteen o eight when the erard action was perfected and eighteen thirty two or eighteen thirty four when thalberg and liszt began to revolutionize the art of piano playing the instrument was the subject of a great number of improvements in every direction the damper mechanism was perfected between eighteen twenty one and eighteen twenty seven the stringing had been made heavier the hammers proportionately stronger and the power of tone had become greater thus the instrument had become ready for the great pianists liszt having made his first appearance in vienna in eighteen twenty three and within seven years after having become generally recognized as a phenomenal appearance in art meanwhile great improvements were continually carried on for the purpose of rendering the instrument impervious to the forcible attacks made upon its stability by these new virtuosi in the early appearances of liszt it was necessary to have several pianos in reserve upon the stage so that when a hammer or string broke which very often happened another instrument could be moved forward for the next piece the most important improvement in the solidity of the piano came from the iron frame which was introduced tentatively somewhere about eighteen twenty one in the form of what is now called a hitch pin plate or half iron frame about eighteen twenty five an american alpheus babcock of philadelphia patented a full iron frame but it was imperfect and nothing came of it conrad meyer of philadelphia in eighteen thirty three patented an iron frame and manufactured pianos with it which are still in existence in eighteen thirty seven 
Jonas Chickering of Boston perfected the iron frame by including in the single casting the pin bridge and damper socket rail. This improvement still remains at the foundation of the piano making of the world. Previous to this invention, some of the American piano makers had constructed their cases upon a solid wooden bottom plank five inches thick in eighteen fifty five the firm of steinway and sons exhibited their first overstrung scale in which the bass strings were spread out and carried over a part of the treble strings thus affording them more latitude for vibration without interfering and bringing the bridges nearer to the center of the sounding board the idea of overstringing was not new at this time lichtenberg of st petersburg having exhibited a grand piano with overstringing at the london exposition in eighteen fifty one and theodore Böhm, the celebrated improver of the flute having invented an overstrung system for square pianos as early as eighteen thirty five in eighteen fifty three also jonas chickering combined an iron frame with an overstrung system in square pianos the instrument having been completed and exhibited after his death the steinway system of overstringing however was more extended and solved the acoustical difficulties of cross vibrations more successfully by spreading the long strings and this therefore is the system now generally followed the superiority of this principle was immediately acknowledged and it has since been applied to grands and uprights and few makers in the world but follow it in their work many minor improvements have been introduced in america by steinway and sons and others whereby the artistic qualities and the durability of the best american pianos are now generally acknowledged throughout the world the solidity of construction is such that with a compass of seven and one-third octaves the tension of the strings amounts to about fifty thousand pounds avoirdupois the hammers are larger and heavier the action more responsive and the singing quality and sustaining power has reached remarkable perfection perhaps the most curious and important of all american improvements in this direction is the so-called duplex scale of steinway and sons patented in eighteen seventy two in which a fraction of the string is made to vibrate sympathetically thereby strengthening the super octave harmonic and imparting to the tone a brightness and sweetness not so well secured in any other way at present known if space permitted it would be interesting to follow the course by which the difficulties of the upright piano have at length been surmounted and the tone of this form of instrument rendered nearly equal to that of the grand this was first accomplished by steinway and sons between eighteen sixty two and eighteen seventy eight by a succession of improvements having for their object first the solidity of the instrument then its prompt action together with as much of the tone quality of the grand as possible many other american builders have taken part in this development whereby the american pianoforte to-day is the strongest the fullest toned and the most expensively constructed of any in the world 
still later quite a number of more or less successful attempts have been made to increase the stability of the tuning of the pianoforte by a different system of stringing the tension of the strings being regulated by means of a tuning pin of set screw pattern working through a collar of steel instead of being thrust into a wooden rest plank where it holds fast by friction alone as has been the universal way previous to these inventions. End of chapter 33